All right, we're recording now. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> have to stop laughing just so we can get a good recording. Jesus. All right, here's the intro for you. Haven't even listened to any of the episodes. So. I actually listened to a little bit on the way to the drop zone today. I kind of listened to the beginning of a couple. You, which one? Um, I can't remember names, but uh, I listened okay. to yeah, like the beginning a couple. of a few. Heard the intros and stuff, and you guys talk for a little bit. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Cool, so, I'm excited. so here's the intro. Uh, welcome to the Van Man Podcast. My name's Sam, and I'm the Van Man. So, um, I've got Marissa Astle. <laughs> with me <laughs> um she's a firefighter skydiver base jumper and all-around badass how's that what an intro thank awesome. you thank you thank you um we'll probably talk about firefighting for most of it okay. because i know some of the skydiving stuff but um yeah i guess to jump in uh how did you get into firefighting what's the what's your like origin story <laughs> okay um well there's a little bit to it so go for it Okay, do you want the long story or the short story? <laughs> we got 30 minutes. Okay, cool. Um, I'll kind of give an abbreviated version then. Um, so, I graduated... <laughs> Is it longer than 30 minutes? No, okay. no. <laughs> I was like, well, I'll have to shorten it down. So <laughs> I could give so a lot of details. It's an hour-long but... <laughs> story. Jeez. <laughs> could probably talk that long about it. But yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so I graduated high school, had no idea what I wanted to get into for a career. I right. really didn't have... I, don't, I had no idea. So I went straight to the University of Utah, started out with some generals and um, figured out I really didn't like school, but I was trying to figure out what I wanted. Somebody told me about the EMT class and I was like, that sounds cool. Maybe I'll try that because it goes back to in high school, in my early teenage years, um, <clears throat> my dad had a couple major injuries back to back. It was like three years of like oh my gosh, he just, we wanted to put him in bubble wrap because he just kept like, it was one thing after another. He, uh, his first injury, we were skiing. I was like 14. We were skiing. He went off a jump, didn't clear the knuckle and landed oh. flat on it and oh. just shattered both of his calcaneus, um, which is your heel. So he just shattered him in hundreds of pieces. And so he oh. was in, it was terrible. He was in a wheelchair for months. He was crawling around. We got him like construction oh, no. knee pads because we had tile in our house. So like, oh, that recovery was rough and uh, he had to have surgery. So I was there for that and I was pretty young and I didn't know what to do. And I just kind of called ski patrol. I like flagged somebody down and right. I felt kind of, you know, helpless. And then um, once he was recovered from that, his doctor was like, yeah, you could start like getting more active, like maybe riding a bike. I think his doctor meant like go ride on the road, like take, be mellow, right? Right. But no, my dad takes that as let's go to Southern Utah. Let's go ride this pretty technical trail on the trail, rocks. Yeah. yeah. So we go do this and we can still see the parking lot and something happens and he falls over and he's he knows something's wrong. He's he thought he dislocated his hip, but it turns out he broke his femur. So oh my gosh. yeah, it was like a pretty hard fall on some hard rock. So again, I'm in this situation where I'm like I was I think I was fourteen or fifteen. I'd just gotten my learner's permit, I think. So right. I like had barely been driving and he was like, go get the car, like drive it around to the road. Cause it was a little closer than the parking lot. And he was like, then you guys can help me maybe wobble to like hobble to the car. So I'm like, okay. So I go get the car, bring it over. And then we go to try to stand him up. And he's like, actually, no, I don't think I can walk. So then we get haul an ambulance finally. And I'm just standing there. Like, I don't know what to do. And so that happened. Holy shit. He gets to the hospital. <laughs> he has to have surgery for that. He has a rod in his femur. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's that injury. And then it doesn't end there the next summer 
He's recovered from his femur and his heels, everything. And by the way, my dad has been mountain biking and, you know, skiing and very active his entire life. Right. Never had a major injury. And right. it was at least like three years that it was just like back to back. Um, but the next summer he's mountain biking by himself in the neighborhood that he lives in with my, like they live in Park City. He's like mountain biking in the backyard kind of and on a switchback trail and he goes over the handlebars and he breaks his neck so he knows something's wrong he's by himself so he calls my mom and he's like hey i know like i'm in pain i think i did something to my neck i don't want to move so we're like okay stay there we'll come get you so we have a friend that's search and rescue luckily that lives in the neighborhood so we called him and we're like what do we do (laughs) he's like come to my house i think i know where he is because he sent us a pin and he was pretty much in his backyard which was awesome so we show up to this guy's backyard or house yeah (laughs) our search and rescue friend we grab his he has a backboard and everything in his car so like my mom and i show up i'm in like pretty much flip-flops and like we grab this backboard and start hiking up the switchback trail to go get my dad and you're like 17 at this point 16 yeah 17? yeah i was like 16 17 okay so yeah we like start hiking up he called 911 to get an ambulance coming obviously but we wanted to get up to him so we get up to him and yeah my dad's laying there on the trail and lance is the search and rescue guy he kind of talked me through holding c-spine like rolling my dad putting him on a backboard and this was the first time i'd you know, been able to put my hands on, like, uh, like on the patient, my dad, I guess, right. like, when he had been injured. I was like, cool, this feels nice that I can help, but I still didn't really know what I was doing. Right. It's the first time you've been in a position where mm-hmm. you're not just standing there. Yeah. And it was kind of nice. I was yeah. like, okay, this sucks. Like, I wish he wasn't hurt, but, you know, it's nice that I can do something. So I helped him backboard, and then we started carrying him down the trail. My mom, Lance, and I, and another mountain biker that kind of came by and helped and we got him about halfway down the trail, and then uh, the ambulance crew showed up, and they carried him the rest of the way. And then they got him in the ambulance, and they're like, do you want to go with him? And I was like, sure. I don't know. Sure. So I get in the ambulance with him, and the medic was super cool. He was like, he'll be okay. Like, we got this. And we get to the hospital, and... um they wheeled my dad away and I kind of had to wait in the waiting room and the doctor came back in. I was alone by the way, cause my mom went and got the car and then drove to the hospital. But, okay. um, I'm in the waiting room by myself and the doctor comes back in and is like, you might want to prepare yourself. Like, we don't know how badly he's injured. I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, he may never move again. He may like, we don't know what's going to happen. Like he broke his neck. It's pretty, it could be pretty bad. Right. It's like, Oh my gosh. So then again, I'm helpless. Like, what do I do? Um, luckily he is fully recovered. He, he did break his neck. He broke C1. Um, it was really close to severing his spinal cord. Um, but it didn't. And he is fully mobile, no deficits at all. But yeah, so that's kind of all those like experiences when I was in college and then I was like trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And somebody mentioned the EMT course. I was like, I kind of thought back to that and was like, you know what, even if I don't get in the field, like it would be good to have some training, right? Like, yeah, it's only a matter of time before dad hurts himself. Again. I know, right? <laughs> it's bound to happen. Jeez. Like with this streak, it's not ending apparently. But uh, yeah, so I like got into the EMT course and I fell in love with it. I loved, you know, the hands-on, like it really clicked for my brain. Like I don't do well, I don't know. In with, a classroom. In a classroom. Yeah just doesn't click for me and so like it's boring yeah it doesn't I didn't like it so like actually doing stuff hands-on there were tests obviously but like the majority of it was hands-on and I loved that so I did that and then I went straight to my advanced EMT at the U and some of the instructors um 
that taught me they're firefighters too and there's one in particular that works for south salt lake and he kind of pointed me in the direction of fire he was like because i was like what can i do with this emt cert right like right and i was like can i only work on an ambulance and he's like well no you could like get into fire and do both and i was like really i was like i could do that like as a female and as like i was like i've seen firefighters in movies but how do you get into that like yeah i had never personally known a firefighter so he kind of pointed me in the direction of like, okay, this is how you do it. This is where you can go to school. This is, you know, the training you go through and then you can get hired by departments. There's these different departments. And he just walked me through the process. It was awesome. He was amazing. Um, so I did my EMT, advanced EMT, and then I went straight to fire academy, fell in love with that too. I didn't think I would like it as much as I did. I was like, you know what? I'll just do fire so that I can work in EMS because right. that's what I liked at the time. But then I got into fire and was like, actually, <laughs> this is pretty cool too. I like it. So, Wow. Yeah. That is one hell of a story. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry. That's kind of the – I tried to make it fast, but <laughs> – No, I didn't know any of that. Like, yeah. I, I knew that you dropped out of college and then done the EMT license first and stuff, but I didn't realize mm -hmm. that it was like – all this history and memory of your dad getting hurt and these feelings and emotions attached to it to make those decisions to get like, that's just so cool. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, sucks. Cool. I'm glad your dad sure. made it to full recovery and everything. And that must've been like at a certain level kind of traumatizing for sure. <laughs> you yeah. Know? But that's incredible. It's that's pretty so cool. cool. So how long have you been a firefighter now? How long, like what's it been since that decision to go into it full-time? Um, I've been full-time almost three years. It'll be three okay. years at the beginning of July. So I, I got really lucky. I went to fire Academy and a bunch of departments were testing, um, at the end of my Academy. So I went and applied a bunch of places and I got really lucky to get hired like before I was even done with Academy. So I got hired on this department and they just said, pass all your tests and you'll be good. So I got hired right away. So I've been working almost three years now and it's flown by. It's crazy. And I'm still at the same department. So I was going to say, you're still at the same place. Mm -hmm. And if I remember right from our conversations like a year ago, when we talked about this, your, um, I guess your area that you guys cover mm -hmm. is a little bit unique, right? Cause you cover some of the mountains. Yes. What's that like? compared to being at a quote regular yeah. fire department um it's really cool i love it actually because we have just a mixture of everything like yeah we do can have... you sorry can you explain why it's unique for people that are just listening to this for sure yeah um so i work in weber county so if anybody knows where ogden is we cover kind of the surrounding cities of ogden so we have i don't know um, if you know where like Eden and Huntsville are, mm -hmm. um, but there's like ski resorts and Pineview. And so that's like a mountain area. So that's different than working somewhere like Salt Lake City or South Salt Lake because they are, you know, in these urban areas with big buildings and just mostly homes. Um, but right. working up at the station that I work at in Eden, I love it because we get like horseback riders that fall off their horses and we have to go hike up a trail and go find them or like we get search and rescue to come out because the skier has been out there all night you know in the backcountry or we get like ice rescues we get to do ice rescue training where we have these cool ice rescue suits um because pine view freezes over over the winter and sometimes people fall through like so we get just Whoa. a wide variety and the ski resorts like we we have an ambulance so we go up to the ski resorts and pick up patients that have maybe injured themselves skiing or snowboarding right. um so I like it. I think I would also like working in a bigger city too, because that has its own, you know, challenges. But I lo I love being in the mountains and the excitement of like not knowing what's going to happen that shift and maybe yeah. going on a hike and finding a patient. You know. <laughs> Holy cow! 
Uh, do you have uh, like a crazy story that you like? I'm sure you have like a thousand of them <laughs> from do. people asking. Um, do you have a favorite one that stands out? Oh my gosh, a bunch of them were like flashing through my mind. I have. Uh... You can tell all of them. We can spend <laughs> the next twenty minutes just yeah. telling stories. We only have twenty minutes, okay? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. Um, one of the coolest ones we had. Um, so sometimes we need like helicopters to come in and hoist patients out and i had like heard of people needing that but i had a patient um i think last summer that it was this older guy he was like in his early 90s i want to say and he wanted to go on one last hunting trip with his buddies so up in our area we have this area that you can like um pay for a tag and you can go hunt in this area so they were at their campsite and i guess he was just brushing his teeth and kind of fell over like down the hill a little bit and so he hurt his neck so they called us and we we get to the scene the like base of the mountain and uh there's an employee that works for this area and he has a like four by four and he's like hey you guys got to come with us and ride this up because there was no way we were getting up there other than on this four-wheeler so we like a couple of us pack in there bring all our bags and it's like a 20 minute ride up on this trail to get up to this guy so then we get up to him finally and he's he's fine he's got some pain in his neck so we're like cool we'll put a seat collar on you let's backboard you get an iv stuff like we're doing that and we're like how are we going to get him out of here we're not like taking him down on this on this dirt road trail yeah right so we get a helicopter coming and they have hoist capabilities so they can lower a paramedic into the scene, grab the patient and hoist him out. So this is the first time <laughs> I've seen this and it was the coolest thing ever because we're there, we're doing patient care and then the helicopter, we hear it, it's hovering over us. They like a paramedic literally like repels into the scene and <laughs> it was like a movie. He like drops in, he comes over, he's like, Hey, that what guy you guys? knows he's so cool. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was awesome. He's got his cool headset on and helmet and he's just like in his gear and you're like, Oh, it was the coolest thing. Like <laughs> Top Gun music was playing in my head. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. and uh, so he gets over and like he starts. He takes over patient care, and he, we're like, "Hey, how can we help you?" We get the patient in this uh, little seat that they have, a harness kind of thing, and he connects himself to it. And then the helicopter hovers over, and I think he was communicating with them, saying, "Okay, I'm ready." They lower the hoist, and he's like, "Hey, go grab that." So I go grab it, bring it over to him, and he connects the patient in. And then he's like kind of struggling to connect himself in and the, you can see the slack of the line is like being, <laughs> it's going taut because right. the helicopter is like about to take off. And he's like, <laughs> like trying to get connected in and like last second, I swear it happened so fast. He like gets the patient connected and gets himself connected and then they were gone. It was like the helicopter just swoops him off. Like it blew my mind. That was a really cool thing to watch. And then they That's like so take the crazy. patient down to the base and put him in an ambulance and then took him to the hospital. And you're staring at him flying away like yeah. That's my backboard. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> That's oh thank you yeah that's, that's a great story <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that's awesome yeah that was really cool. Jeez, holy smokes! <laughs> I've got yeah, stories for days, but <laughs> we how, that how often day. does something like that happen? Like a is it like that's happening every shift no. or is it once a month you get something really cool? Um, you know, it really varies kind of based on the season and like, I don't know how many people are out and what's happening. So it's not, not every shift is exciting right. like that. Right. Like we could go of course. up there at that station that we work at. We I've gone shifts where we haven't run a single call in 48 hours. 
like I'm up there for two whole days and sometimes we don't run any. Um, and then sometimes we're running all day, like right. and we're super busy. So it really depends. But summer, I would say, is our busier season because we also have grass fires and those keep us busy. And then there's a lot of people okay. out on horseback, like horses and mountain biking. and Right. Yeah. More during the summer because mm-hmm. people are doing stupid shit all the time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how does the uh, shifts work again? You're on for two, off for four. Mm-hmm. And it, it just cycles like that. Super predictable. Exactly. Can you and you swap shifts and stuff? Uh, or you pick up extra. Yes, you can. So I'm on. We have three different shifts. There's A, B, and C shift. Okay. Um. So I'm on C shift. So I know that I'm. I could look for the next year and be like, I know my exact shifts that I'm working because it just rotates. Right. Um. And the only reason that would change is if I jump like to a different shift. If like a spot opens up for a firefighter on a different shift, and I want to jump to that shift, then I can do that. And that would be like a permanent change. Mm-hmm. You want to go to a new team, try a new thing. Yep. That okay. would be kind of a longer term thing. So okay. I've been on C shift since I started. So almost three years. Okay. Um, yeah. And the schedule just rotates. It's really predictable and awesome. And we can take time off and I can look months ahead and be like, cool. I know when I'm working and yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's why you get to do so many fun things. Mm-hmm. Cause you have four days in a row yep. all the time, four day weekends every week. Exactly. Oh, that's so cool. Are you, <laughs> I, I imagine a lot of these shifts spots don't open up like super frequently. Do you, um, or sorry, are are you still the new person, or are there newer people? Kind of. So yeah, technically I'm I'm kind of new still, but we've had a lot of turnover recently. So right. I do have a lot of people that are under me. Like we're based, it's kind of like a seniority list. Right. And I already have I don't know maybe 15 people under me, which oh, is wow. crazy because like oh my gosh, in the last like 10 20 years that was nuts. There most people wouldn't get more than a couple people under them for like five to 10 years. Like seniority was a lot different. Um, now we're just having, you know, people move around a lot or retiring. Right. And so it's this cycle of like, we've just had a lot of new people. Um, so I've, I'm like not high on the seniority list, but I'm also not at the base. Right. So you're three years in. Yeah. That's okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, on those days or those shifts where nothing happens, what do you guys do? Like, do you pretty much always have scheduled trainings or something and then calls are interruptions to that? Mm-hmm. Or are you just sitting around waiting for calls? No. So we, we keep busy. Like we have different trainings every shift. It's not like on a super consistent schedule, but there's almost always some training going on every day, whether that's like a live fire training where we're practicing that or EMS or a new protocol we need to talk about or just there's always something. Um, and then we'll kind of, we'll cook meals together. We'll hang out. We, we can work out, but usually during the day from like eight to five, we're trying to stay busy. Um, we also go out and like check hydrants. That's something like we just need to make sure all the caps come off so that if we do have a fire that the hydrants function, um, we'll go do inspections cause we do that of businesses. Um, so we keep busy like from eight to five and then after 5 PM, that's kind of our time. So we'll sit around, watch movies and. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that after five o'clock mm-hmm. it's. It's kind of like your own time. Yeah. And if we have calls, obviously like that, it takes precedence and we wake up and go, but yeah, you're still at the station. Mm -hmm. You're still on shift, but you're, yep. You're nine to five Mm -hmm. essentially. Pretty much. (laughs) Oh, interesting. So how many, do you know how many fire hydrants in your area? Uh, not a number. No. Okay. I was Uh -uh. just wondering like if there's like 278. I have no idea. idea. A lot. (laughs) There's a lot. (laughs) A ton of fire hydrants. Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you'd have to 
you can't just sit there and then i imagine there's just like a lot of ongoing training just like anyone else yeah any job yeah but your ongoing training is a little bit more fun Mm -hmm. it's really fun cool um do you have any like i don't know what's the worst part about firefighting what's something that you didn't really expect maybe that Hmm. you're like yeah i could do without this but i'll deal with it for the job um that's a good question um I wouldn't say it's like something that I wish wasn't there, but it's something that I didn't expect, I guess. Um, So I guess we see some pretty crappy things like, you know, we have patients that are in really bad condition or um, scenes we show up to that are brutal or, you know, like we see a lot of that and not all the time, but we do see it. And that's something that like I understood kind of going into it, but I didn't really understand the like extent until I've really lived it. So, um, this last year has been kind of like a big learning curve of like realizing that I wasn't dealing with a lot of stuff that I had seen. And so this last year has been really good for growth and like, um, my mental health of realizing like we do see some crappy stuff and like we really need to focus on talking to our coworkers about it or even a therapist, like, you know, and that's okay. So that's kind of the thing that I, it's not like, I would leave the career because of it, you know, it's just a part of it, but it's something that I didn't expect to affect me as much as it has. Yeah, it's kind of like for every helicopter story, there's a terrible story to go along with it. And at the end of the day, like, the helicopter story is great, Mm -hmm. and that guy ended up being okay, but there was still a person injured there. There was a person who ended up needing to be lifelighted out, you know, so that could have been a lot worse for that guy. And, I mean, I didn't share the part about it that, like, he he was – so stressed and you know he was like crying as he was as we're connecting him to this hoist and he like grabbed my hand and was like hey what was your name again like i want to remember your name and like held my hand and then like and then he was hoisted off you know like so yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of aspects to it that That are just emotional mm -hmm. just yep how i don't want to pry too much especially Mm -hmm. on like a public podcast yeah but um for someone who maybe thinking about getting into firefighting or already in firefighting hell even just someone who's just like regular life dealing with their own shit and their own emotions mm-hmm. um can you maybe share like some advice from how you've learned dealing with your own emotions and what you would maybe suggest to them for sure um i would just say the therapy is awesome i my whole life i've i've never dealt with it i've never really thought that it was something that i would get into but um and i think there's kind of a negative stigma towards it especially in the fire service um just us thinking that we're strong enough and we don't need it and we're okay um so i guess the biggest advice i would give is that i i'm a firm believer that everybody could use therapy like whether you are you're working a normal nine to five job i don't care like everybody has their own stressors or anxiety or things that they go through so i think that's the biggest thing is just getting over like that thought of i don't need it i'm okay like, I feel like everybody yeah. could use it. And not that everybody has to, but, you know. Yeah, well, I agree. I think just because you are working a 9-to-5 job like me and you're not dealing with this crazy mm-hmm. stories like yours doesn't mean that I don't have problems, too, and that mm-hmm. I don't, you know, deal with my own emotions For and sure. heavy shit. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really great advice. I think, I think everybody should be going to therapy and, and talking about those things a little bit more openly. Yeah. Um, are there any, uh, like misconceptions about firefighting things that maybe people mm-hmm. approach you and think, Oh, you're a firefighter. You must. Yeah. And you're like, no. 
<laughs> um, I think the most common is people will be like, Did you, do you save cats from trees? <laughs> There's that. Have you ever saved a cat from no, a tree? No, <laughs> no. Have you ever seen a, skill, a cat of a skeleton in a tree or a skeleton of a cat, whatever, in a tree? No, they always get down. <laughs> They're fine. So everybody thinks That's they a do good that point. I've never seen a dead cat in a tree. No. <laughs> never seen a skeleton just up there in a branch. So they get down somehow. Poor cat. The firefighters <laughs> didn't get there in time. Stuck That's in a tree. Probably the biggest misconception. We save uh, ducklings out of storm drains more than cats out of trees. Do you really? Yeah. All the time. Do people call in for that? Yeah. And that's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty cute. There's that. And then maybe just like... I don't know. The idea that we are always go, go, go and like con- constantly running calls. There are some right. departments that are like that, but it's not everywhere. So it's like. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure you've had shifts that are like that. Yeah. Um, sure. How often do you do things like uh, community service or showing up to an elementary school mm-hmm. or a memorial service, something like that? Um, I'd say pretty often. Not every shift, but yeah, we'll show up to things um, when if when we're not in a drought, which this summer we're not going to be able to do this, but when we haven't been in a too bad of a drought in the past, we'll like show up to elementary schools and like spray the kids with our fire hoses and stuff. And like, we'll do stuff like that. And we'll do like station tours. Those are my favorite, like, um, either like youth groups or church groups or whatever they'll plan or like, yeah, people will just show up and be like, Hey, can we look at the fire station? And I love that. They'll come in, show them kind of our, our rooms and their kitchen. Can you just like show up? Yeah. Yeah. And you just show up and sure. be like, tour, please. Sure. Yeah. We've had that. Like, we've had just families walking by and they just come up and they're like, hi, we just wanted to maybe see the trucks. And we're like, okay, yeah, come on in. Like, That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure any, almost any station. I mean, I'm sure some stations have people that would be like, oh, like, leave us alone. But for the most part, most right. firefighters will be happy to be like, yeah, come look at our trucks and come right. see how we live our lives. And yeah, we love it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's so much fun. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine somebody, like, if somebody knocked on my van door, like, hey, can I get a tour? I'm like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking? Yeah. It's a little bit say... different when you're a public service, yeah. right? But... <laughs> Do you have uh, any, like, yearly events that you're like, I can't wait for this yearly event every year? Um, Anything that's really consistent? That's a good question. Not really. Well, I guess we kind of have like a summer barbecue thing we do every year. So that's fun. We set up like uh, games for kids and stuff and like little, we have little firefighter outfits that they can put on and run around. And so I guess that's a fun thing. And then we have this little train that like uh, one of our captains, he drives it every year and he like just drives around the kids in this little train around the fire station. So I guess that's yeah a yearly event that I look forward to. Oh, the mm-hmm. little little ritual, little festival. Yep. <laughs> That's cool. Um, you mentioned before, you know, if we're not in a drought, you do certain things. Mm-hmm. But we are in a drought. Um, are you, like, gearing up? When you know that Utah's in a drought, are you like, oh, shit's going to go down? Because mm-hmm. we've had some really bad fires. What's that like? What's What's the advice you give to people so that you don't have to deal with that shit? Gosh, uh... Yeah, it's a little daunting. It's just like, yep, we know it's going to be a hot season and it's really dry. Um, So the only advice I'd give is just don't be stupid. Like a lot of our fires that we go to are started by, I don't know, people shooting their guns in an area that shouldn't be or, you know, or like leaving a campfire unattended or just, you know, just dumb things that are really, you can mitigate them, you know, by just common sense and like taking care of your stuff when you're in the outdoors. So that's all I'd say. Yeah. Oh, 
I wish everybody would do that. I know. <laughs> I was at a bonfire a couple weeks ago, and my friends, you know, we were picking a fire pit at one of the little campsites. And they were like, oh, one time we were here, we set up a fire underneath this bridge. Let's go check it out. And so we went under the little bridge. And it's this tiny little stream in Provo Canyon. And they wanted to set up a fire there. I was trying to be polite, but I was like, oh, let's maybe not yeah. <laughs> do it under this wooden bridge. What are you, stupid? Like, <laughs> and they were well-meaning. They're very smart people, but, sure. you know, they just wanted to have fun. And I was like, that's not, like, that's how we end up being in the news <laughs> and sure. starting the fire that we always hear about. And then <laughs> I'd get a call from you like, what the hell, Sam? <laughs> what the fuck were you thinking? Yeah, no, I, I, it's always sad to hear that when it's, it's something that's, easily mitigated it's a ricochet from a bullet from somebody just having fun and shooting like it's always the most simple thing and it creates just absolute (laughs) devastation sure Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, we have like two or three minutes what yeah it flew by how did that happen yeah it went by really fast but i do want to talk about skydiving a little bit because (laughs) you're a badass skydiver a lot of my friends know that i skydive but i only have like 90 jumps Mm -hmm. which is a lot i actually put on like 50 jumps 40 jumps at skydive arizona awesome so much fun that place is a lot bigger than i thought it was i legit i remember going down there in october for the first time thinking oh like skydive utah's big this is going to be a little bit smaller. Maybe it's not quite as busy. And there's like four planes running the yeah. whole time. There's 300 people just constantly up in the air. They're yep. doing these giant 90-person jumps in camps. It's crazy there. Blows your mind, huh? Um, how many jumps do you have now? Um, I think I'm about 240. 240. See, everybody, like, that's someone who That's lot. still not very I much because I jump with people that are like, yeah, I have 1,000 or 2,000. And I'm like, right. I still You're feel like You're basically an infant until you hit like oh, 500. For sure, yeah. Oh, so. That's so cool. And you started base jumping. So how many base jumps have you done? I have about 39 base jumps now, I think. What was the transition like from skydiving to base jumping? Because mm. I have no clue. It just seems so scary. It is. Like, I'm not scared of skydiving at all. But base jumping seems terrifying. It's interesting. It's It's a parachute sport, so it's similar, but it's also completely different. Right. You know? Um, I'd say, like, the canopy piloting translates a little bit but only to an extent because the canopies that you fly in base jumping and skydiving are different um so going into base it's you're kind of relearning everything i mean you're learning how to fly these new canopies and then how to like if you go which you should like when you're beginning to learn you should go to a bridge first and like so you're learning how to step over a railing and like stand on this object that is way shorter than anything you jump in skydiving like i kept my first couple jumps i kept thinking about how like we jump at thirteen thousand feet from a skydive when we're at like 400 feet we're on like our base like we're under canopy we've done about landing right we've done our whole skydive we're think we're almost landing right but the bridge is like 487 feet so you're like standing on this object at that moment when like normally skydiving, you would have done your whole skydive. So right. that took me a minute to wrap my mind around because you can see the ground, you can see the trees and the people standing down there and you're like, I am so low right now. What am I yeah. doing? But once you get over that and the feeling of, you know, I think once you push past that fear, once you have, you have that extreme fear and then once you push past it and succeed, it is the best feeling ever. Love it. No, oh, that's so good. I can't wait. I'll do it eventually. Yeah. There's no way I don't. Just because, like, if I skydive and it's not scary, I gotta do something else that's scary. <laughs> so eventually I get there. I'm curious, though. I've always tell people, and I have no idea, just making shit up. Um, <laughs> but I always tell people, you start on the gym, or 
sorry, you start on a bridge mm -hmm. because there's a risk of you like flipping around when you open and you don't want to hit a wall. Yes. Okay. So cool. yeah, that's called. Glad I got that right. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Um, the term for it is like having an off heading. So right. like when you jump your face, when you're facing this way, if your canopy opens the same way you're facing, that's on heading. Um, but yeah, based on like the pack job or your body position or winds, like a lot of factors, your canopy can open the wrong way, which is what you're talking about. It could open complete 180. And then right. if you had jumped a cliff, you're facing the cliff. And that right. is not ideal because you don't want your canopy to go into a rock or your body. Um, so the bridge is a bit safer, obviously, because there's no, there are less objects to hit. Right. So if you have a 180 or even a 90, and then you have the time to correct it, and there's nothing that you can hit. So yeah. it's still dangerous. It's still base jumping. The landing is still, you know, dangerous because you're flying over trees, and, you know, you have to be accurate with where you're putting yourself down. But the bridge is a safer place for that reason. So, yeah, you nailed okay. it. Good. Thank goodness I'm not lying. <laughs> okay, that's like basically all the time that we have. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that, that went was by so, so fast. fast. That was super fun. Um, <laughs> what's next? What's do you have like another thing that's really cool that you're also <laughs> trying to get a certification for? I think I'm gonna get a motorcycle. Oh hell yeah! Okay, <laughs> so that's kind of my next. Thing. All right, I I'm stoked on base jumping right now. I'm just doing that as much as possible, and still love skydiving. So those are my things, and firefighting. I'm still in love with staying at the same department for now, and. Yeah, motorcycle might be the next thing. I was like, I need another adrenaline Stop thing. It. <laughs> Stop. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate it. Bye, everybody. Thanks.